the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Book of Judges catalogs for us a variety of judges that led Israel for several hundred years. Only two really stand out in the Book of Judges, and we're focusing our attention on one of them this week. The Judge Gideon. Next. Welcome back. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, and we are back in the book of Judges once again. Our focus is on the Judge Gideon and his exploits and victory over the Gideonites. And just exactly whose victory it really is, along the way, there's also an awful lot of similarities between Gideon and Jesus. The gospel is rich here in the book of Judges, and that's what we're exploring together. From Grace Bible Church, right here in Hayward. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand and today's broadcast of Way of Grace. So we're talking about strategy and we're talking about intelligence because we're talking about fighting a good fight. And we've learned a lot of things about how God has carefully nurtured this man and he's still doing it. And today we want to understand how God nurtures his people, particularly in the area of fear which is a struggle we all have to one degree or another because we are weak human beings. Some have more of a problem with it than others. That's why the whole platoon got reduced down to 300 men. But what I want to talk to you about as we press into this is the difference between the fear of unbelief and godly fear. Fear of unbelief that will drive you away from God. And God will drive you away from God. And the fear that occurs in the life of the godly that does nothing but draw them near to God. That is the sort of adumbration of the whole journey of Gideon right now. Would you agree? God knew Gideon well. Like he knows you and he knows me and he knows what's operating in Gideon's soul. So after God has helped Gideon work through all of these different winnowing processes here, Gideon now is being called to go deeper into the battle. Is he not? And if you'll notice what the language said over in verse seven, God knowing Gideon, sorry, verse eight, God knowing Gideon, He would say to Gideon, "Uh, okay, go to verse nine. I just want to pick up where God is. Uh, Okay, so here's the instruction. Verse 10. This is what God would say to Gideon. But if you are fearful, Gideon, to go down. Do you see it? But if you are fearful, Gideon, to go down. I want you to mark that. I'm getting ready to talk to you about some principles. 
But the first one is God knows you and he knows your infirmities, doesn't he? And he knows in his his promise to Gideon, because see, God is all the way up in Gideon's business now. And Gideon is only where God has advanced Gideon to be, which means Gideon and God still have a reputation to uphold. Would you agree? This is the beauty of being in Christ and Christ in us. When God puts you on an assignment, do you know it's more important to God that that assignment gets accomplished than you and I and all of our weaknesses and our fears and foibles? So here God now is going to isolate us after dealing with the larger group of men and show us how he tenderly cares for his captain. And he's going to teach you and I some things about how to actually have our faith increased. Don't we all need an increase in our faith? All right, so here it goes. I hope you can settle down and get into this. If you are fearful, do this. If you are fearful, child of God, do this. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. This is what James said in James 4. Remember, draw near to God and then you will be able to resist the devil. If you're fearful, draw near. So isn't the instruction to Gideon to draw near? But what he's telling Gideon to do is to draw near to the enemy's camp. Whoa, Gideon, draw near. Draw near, that's the plan, draw near. Now, why is he asking Gideon to do this? Now, if you recall, the first time he met Gideon, Gideon is in a low place, wasn't he? He met Gideon in a wine vat hiding, very much anxious about what's going on in his world, struggling to try to figure it out. He met Gideon in the valley and he helped Gideon come up out of that valley to the mountaintop of overcoming his father's false gods. On the mountaintop, you're comfortable. In the valley, you're troubled. Can I get an amen? On the mountaintop, You can see everything. You got a really good, clear view. You don't really worry about those unseen things and those hidden problems and those lurking enemies while you're on the mountaintop. In fact, on the mountaintop, you can boast. You can talk about what you would do and how you would do it and how you would accomplish it because you're on the mountaintop. Oh, but when you go down into the valley and we all go down into the valley. When you get down into the valley, now how you talking? But hear me, child of God, you got to go into the valley because the valley is where you grow. The mountaintop is where you get to rejoice. The valley is where you go. And God did that with Gideon several times, didn't he? He did it in the wine press. He brought him to the top of his father's house. Then he took Gideon down again into the gathering of 32,000 men, which Gideon had never done before. Remember, Gideon is still trying to figure out what God means. When you say to me, thou mighty man of valor, I don't get it at all. And now you got 32,000 men around you. And I talked to you about that, that gathering principle. I told you when God brings you to a place where Christ is exalted in your life, he'll use you as a magnet to draw 
That is the nature of the gospel. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now Gideon has a body to work with. If you're understanding that Gideon is a type of Christ, he has a body to work with, doesn't he? But he's got to go down again into the valley of doubt and despair because he doesn't trust himself. And you shouldn't trust yourself because that's where you mess up. And so I've been sharing with you that you want to get Gideon's weakness because Gideon's weakness is really godliness. It's the ability to not take hold of the reins of God's assignment for you and go to the left or to the right because you are overconfident in your assumption that you know what's going on. Gideon didn't do that. And Gideon is not about to do it now. Now, I've told you, he's been on the mountaintop. He's been in the valley. He's been on the mountaintop. He's in the valley. He's on the mountain. He's in the valley again. You know what just happened? God took, God took most of all his men from him. He had 32,000 in one evening. By the night, he only had 300 men. That ought to shake you up because you're still headed towards the enemy. You're still headed towards the battle. Are you understanding what I'm getting at? Right. And just in case you aren't, I'm going to just press in by way of application. The circumstances in your life are going to look one way. And if you don't keep a clear connection with God, you won't see what he's doing. There will be things going on on the outward appearance that if you merely judge them by what they appear to be, and we'll talk about that in point number two, you're going to misjudge what God is up to. Because God is never calling you to be confident in your own comprehension of what you see. Never is calling you to that. This is where we always make our mistake, thinking we see it. And so what God did was strip Gideon of any opportunity. That's just one of many things he did. He stripped Gideon of any opportunity to begin to take heirs to himself. Look at what I did. Started reaching back and thinking about how he tore his father's idols down. And then now got all these people gathering around him. That'll get you proud, won't it? All these people are watching you, Gideon, until you are by yourself in the middle of the night. And you're looking in the mirror and you're realizing you're still the same man that were hiding just a few days ago in a wine press. And God knows that's where you are. So here is the ethical and and lesson, spiritual lesson you and I want to learn out of why God would drive you into the pit. Why God would drive you into the valley. He will drive you into the valley, ladies and gentlemen, in order that you might know what the enemy really is and be able to see him for what he really is. After all, God has gone down into the valley before you did. See, all God is asking Gideon to do is to draw near to him. It'll come home in a minute. All God is saying to Gideon is draw near to me. Didn't he tell Gideon that I will be with you? Didn't he tell Gideon that he would destroy them as one man? Didn't he say he would send his angel before him? Doesn't Gideon know that wherever Gideon is being called to go, God has already went before him as a forerunner? Then therefore, if God is calling you into the depths of something, is not God going to be there when you get there? This is very important. 
This is very important for you to get. I'm so thankful for the lessons because on a very practical level, and we can ferret this out in many ways, you would really think that the best place for you to be is on the mountaintop. I'm sorry, growth comes in the valley. In the valley. And so the title of our message is very germane. Gideon, your victory is in the enemy's mouth. Point number one, let's kind of walk up into our uh, second and third point so we can really unpack this a little bit. Point number one, the resources of strength and strategy, the resources of strength and strategy. I'm going to pick back up on them uh, in our next message because they're going to become a whole lot more clear, at least one facet of it. But look what it says over in verse seven and eight. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lap, will I save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand and let all the other people go every man to his place. Do you see that? So there was a winnowing, wasn't there? There was a separation. Y'all go back and just you three, 300 plus Gideon come. This is where I say, watch the movie 300 because it'll teach you something about the unity of ready men to fight a battle for what they believe is the truth and even die for it. Isn't that movie glorious? Isn't it glorious? Because intrinsic in that movie is an understanding of a faith committed to a principle and to a people, notwithstanding the hordes of all of those Persian armies that made their way up to the seashore. I love God's story, don't you? And so here we have under point number one, the resources and strength of strategy, strength and strategy. And they're needed in any battle. You need spiritual strength, don't you? In any battle, you need spiritual strength. And then you need a strategic uh, 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 regiment or methodology of authoritative proclamation. Under point number one, we'll notice that it said over in verse eight. So the people took victuals into their hands. Do you see it? These are the 300 now. They took food with them. That makes good sense, doesn't it? We don't know how long we're going to be there, but you definitely need to eat. And so he says they took food and they took trumpets in their hands. Do you guys see that in in verse 8, part B, part A? They took food and trumpets. And may I say this just to tag you in and show you something? They did not take weapons. No weapons of war here. Getting ready to help you. No swords. No spears, no nothing, just food and a trumpet. Now we're talking about obeying God, aren't we? We're talking about a walk that is utterly unorthodox, are we not? We're talking about every step you take down, drawing near to the enemy. Here's what you know. God has to have your back because you can't even fight back. Say, Pastor, where do you get that from? I get it from right there in the text. I'll show it to you between now and next week. Can I ask you a question in that just while I have you? Do I need any weapon of war when God is fighting my battles for me? Is it making some sense right now? But he will tell you to eat because you're going to need enough wind to blow the trumpet. All right, so let me talk a little bit more about spiritual meat because that is critically important. The text that we will use to support this spiritual strength for the gospel can be understood first in Acts chapter 9, verses 18 and 20. This is where Saul has become converted. And remember, God used Ananias to lay hands on him and he became filled with the spirit of God. And notice what the text says. It says in verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes that it had been what? 
skills. That means Paul was blinded, as you know, and now his eyes are open. But you and I know his eyes are open to more than just the physical dimension. He's been born again. He's been filled with the spirit and the illuminating work of the gospel is now causing him to see things the way God sees them. A minute ago, he was operating out of the enemy's lens and he was persecuting the believer. Now he's operating out of God's lenses. And guess what he's doing? Serving the cause of God for the good of the people of God. Did y'all get that? Very important. Now notice what the text says. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now look at verse 19. So I want us to walk it through. And when he had received meat, see it? And when he had received meat, he was what? Now, God doesn't need to give us that if we're merely talking about physical food. That little reference is not uh, something of any major doctrinal relevance to him being baptized, other than the fact that the saints of God, when they see men and women converted to Christ and they're happy about it, they're going to feed you too. That's what we do around here. Everybody eating all the time around here. No one's going to go away having legitimately argued that we said, go, be at peace, be warmed and feel, notwithstanding we do not give you those things that meet those needs. No, we know how to give you physical food and spiritual food too, because that's what hospitality is about. Am I making some sense? And really the essence of it is, really the essence of it is, you ought to know how to eat in such a way when you go away from the table of the Lord, which is what preaching and worship is, you should be full and thankful. You should be able to say, I actually fed on the word of God and it did something for me. Am I making some sense? And so the apostle Paul was strengthened. Let's look at the impact of him receiving meat and strengthened. Then was Paul certain days with the disciples, which were at what? This would correspond to our account with Gideon and gathering together a handful of men. They haven't started the battle yet, but they've gone through a conversion, have they not? They've gone through worshiping a pagan idol to now being called back to the true and the living God and the person of Gideon, who is a great type of our savior, has they not. And now they're actually being strengthened for the task. Verse 20, and straightway he did what? Preached Christ in the synagogues. In other words, he went to war. In other words, he went to war. I'll I'll be reading a commentary to you in a moment about the just chaotic thinking of Christians as a whole because we don't have a wartime mentality. We don't think in terms of war. And so for us, this is all about Hollywood and and entertainment and, and comfort. But truly, when you go from being part of the false high priest system to the true high priest system, and then you have to go back into the camp of the enemy, you are in a battle. And that's where Paul is, and he's been fighting one from that moment on all the way until he was beheaded. Is this true? Until he was beheaded. And so, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of the living God. Might that be so for you and me? Uh, Subpoint B, the strategic authority of the trumpet. I don't want to be here long with you, but what you're dealing with with this apparatus of the trumpet. What you're dealing with with this apparatus of the trumpet is you are rep- you are recognizing that God is about to call victory before the war gets started. Just drop that, okay? God's about to call victory before the war gets started. Everywhere in the scriptures where the trumpet is used. 
It speaks of the authoritative proclamation of God's word. Right. And I told you in Numbers chapter 10, we were told that the blowing of the trumpet called for either the gathering of the elders together to be uh, um, to be educated as to what they should do. The gathering of the people of God together to worship God in the feast days and in the sacrifices or for them to make their journey. It was very clear. And everywhere in the New Testament, you hear of the trumpet. You and I are thinking about the authoritative voice of Christ. Are we not? The Lord shall descend with a shout. The voice of the archangel and the trump of God. First Thessalonians 416. Just to remind you. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the what? That's what our elder was saying a little bit earlier, trying to hint at you that when you really have a visceral understanding of the presence of God and the privilege of being worshipers of God, clapping is appropriate. When you understand the beauty and fullness of this infinite God and all the splendor of what he has accomplished for us, um, it is uh, appropriate And the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I did also uh, remind you as well that this is the way that John described the message he heard in Revelation chapter one. He heard a voice behind him as it were a trumpet. And what you hear all throughout the book of the Revelation is the word of God comes as a what? As a trumpet. To those whose ears are attuned to the fact that God's word is authoritative. God's word is powerful. God's word is efficacious. It is the Lord coming with a shout. This will be clearly seen when Gideon engages the war. Let's move then to our second point, which kind of gets into my opening narrative. The reward of drawing near. The reward of drawing near. Subpoint A, the obedience of faith supported. Look again over at verse, uh, verse 10. All right, let me start at verse 9. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host. Get thee down to the host, for I have delivered it into your hand. Verse 10. But if you fear to go down, Go thou with Fura, thy servant, down to the host. Now, I just want you to capture that um, and think through what God just did right there. He knew that Gideon was having some struggles, didn't he? You know what God said? First of all, Gideon, I know you're struggling. In other words, God is helping Gideon know that God knows what Gideon knows. I'm struggling. But he did something. Here's what he did. He actually told Gideon to bring a comrade with him so that as they go deeper into the enemy's camp, he will have someone to commiserate with. This becomes clear, doesn't it, child of God? Two are better than one. Two are better than one. Don't miss this principle because it's everywhere in the word of God. Everywhere in the word of God. Very seldom... Very seldom is there a time in our lives where God will commend you for being a solo ranger. I want to make sure you get that. Very seldom is there going to be a time in your life where God will commend you for being isolated and separated and maybe engaged in something on your own. It will almost always be a couplet. 
because a couplet actually underscores the nature of God in his work. He sent them out two by two. The two witnesses of the scriptures is what establishes God's authoritative intent and purpose. Is that not true? Out of the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. So all God is doing here is helping you and I understand how does God bring comfort? This is how he brings comfort. When you and I are really, truly weak, he will bring a resource near to you to help you buoy up under your assignment so that you don't retreat or get captured by the enemy and go to the left or go to the right. But now mark this, he's going to bring a helper, not a hinderer. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write, 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.